pretty good about my side of this Joe Flacco local legend argument right now. I'm telling you. I got people calling in, mentioning we did this with Jamal uh, Lewis. He was a Raven who came here. Uh, Robert, which Twitter reactions brought to you by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Robert tweets in, for the record, if we picked up Ben Roethlisberger and he took us to the Super Bowl, I would still buy a Roethlisberger jersey, but a brown, but a brown and orange one. Well, yeah, I assumed you'd buy that. I'm not buying a Flacco Ravens jersey. I'm talking about a Flacco Browns jersey. That's the whole point. Just because you have supporters along with your wrong takes doesn't make you any right. No, that's the whole that's the whole thing. Skip Bayless only only follows he only he doesn't follow anybody. He's got zero follows because he just wants his tweet his Twitter to be uh, his Twitter. <laughs> Sound like an old man. His Twitter to be an echo chamber versus his takes and everybody agrees. Uh, let's see what else did I get? Another Robert on Twitter. He says he's pretty close to. Effing owning the city right now. How many years, really, decades since having such a cool head at quarterback? Thought so. Uh, that guy in Cleveland, he's been tweeting a bunch tonight. He says it might be enough for me would take him winning the Super Bowl for him to be a local legend. Thank you, that guy, for being that guy. <laughs> The land is the place to be on Twitter, A Dog Twenty Seven. He says possibly. I think it all depends on how it ends. I don't know. I listen. This city's been hungry for a quarterback like this, calm, cool, collected, taking him to the playoffs. Who have they? Why are you giving? Why are you looking at me like that? Who have they had like that? Can you get all to, these years? You said they haven't had a quarterback like this, and we signed Deshaun. We traded for Deshaun Watson. Had Baker Mayfield. He's thirty-eight, man. What is that? I don't understand what that matters. No, no, you're, you're making it seem like we got like this 25 year old up and coming no, guy. No, no, no. I just had. meant somebody who is like going he's, out there he's winning like Jeff football. Garcia. But better. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Chris Manning joining us now. Chris, if Joe Flacco takes the Browns to the playoffs, is he like a local legend? And, and by local legend, I mean like. Uh, are people just rocking Joe Flacco jerseys randomly around town? Is it one of those jerseys like seven years from now you see at the Brown Stadium? I say yes. Yes, but I would advise people that are going to do that, Spencer, to just maybe like spend their money on something else. <laughs> that's that's hundred. That's like over a hundred dollars that you could you could do you could put into a high yield savings. You could. Buy something more functional. Like you're gonna regret. That's one of those purchases that I get why it's fun in the moment, but you are gonna regret that in six months. Well, so my my I have a rule with jerseys. Um, I, okay. I I this all stems from when I was covering the Buffalo Bills. I thought one of the cringiest things was at training camp. You get these like lines of grown ass adults who are trying to get autographs from for, from players and, and like they're wearing the players jersey it's like ej manual jerseys and the stands like sammy watkins and i was like this is just all very weird to me and so i at that mo in that moment i came up with a rule that i was like i will never wear a jersey of somebody who's younger than me like that's just kind of cringy and weird so i can't do it so for me like a, like a lebron jersey will always work lebron will I'll, I'll always be younger than lebron and that's like the person i grew up watching in the nba so i can always wear a lebron jersey um, and Flacco's the same sort of way, where it's like, that's a jersey that if I'm going to a Browns game, 
I can throw it on forever, and I can think back to that great 2023 memories of him taking the Browns to the playoffs while I wear my Joe Flacco jersey. I think you just got to, like, be open to different avenues of happiness, Spencer. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like I give you a real deep dive into my subconscious right now. Is what well, I and then one day your kid, your your child is going to be like, "Dad, who? Wh- why did who is Flacco?" And you're going to be like, "He was here for a couple weeks. We made the playoffs. <laughs> we maybe lost right well, away." Son, let me tell you. And uh, I wait. I I could have I could have done something better with that money, and I didn't listen to my friend Chris when he was on the radio, and so I bought a dress Flacco jersey. <laughs> Well, the idea is that it would be a Christmas gift, so I don't have to spend my own money on it. But... Oh, my God. <laughs> we can do better. We can do better. We will do better. Let's talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers again. Catching up with wow. my good friend, Chris Manning, one half of the Locked On Cast podcast. Um, also writes for SB Nation, Cleveland Magazine. Uh, Chris, just a a disappointing day. I don't know what it is with injuries and uh, Cleveland athletes this year, but uh, it's just nonstop between the Browns and the Cavs now. But Evan Mobley out for eight weeks as he has arthroscopic knee surgery. Uh, the the jaw for Darius Garland, he's going to be out for an extended period of time. I guess what level of expectations should fans now have for this season with these two longer-term injuries sort of throwing a wrench into things to two key players? Thanks, Spencer. It just changes the season. And if you feel apathy, I've talked to some friends who are feeling apathy right now. If you're checking out a little bit more now, I would understand that. Um, Darius Garland, I've been moving out for weeks. And, you know, when you say several weeks, that, you know, that could mean a couple of things. And a broken jaw doesn't sound good. And then mobile having knee surgery, that's two months. That's post trade deadline in all likelihood. This, this feels like something that could change the season and not for the better. Um, I, I think this feels like a time we're going to learn a lot about the resiliency of this group, what the, what the goals are, what, what they can still accomplish. I think it's going to be a really hard stretch. I think that that's just obvious. I, I don't have the highest expectations of about what they can sustain without Garland, without Mobley for a long stretch of time. Um, but it's, it's one of, this is one of those days when you get these injuries and you, you they break right after each other. Like, 30 minutes within each other, whatever it was, it, it, this can absolutely change the course of the season for the worst. That's what it feels like to me. There's a couple angles we can kind of attack just about what lies ahead for this team, not even from like an on-the-court standpoint. But I, I want to start with the JB part of this because on one hand, I, it's not necessarily fair to evaluate JB to this point given that I think it's like 11 games he's had, all five of his starters so that's less than half of the games they've obviously played this season. So, yeah, like on one hand, how can we fully evaluate him with this roster that was supposed to be built to, to do some, some, some deep playoff, make a deep playoff run and do some big things and accomplish some big things? But on the flip side of that, there are some signs that maybe his message isn't getting through anymore. I mean, the slow start last night was bad. His rotations get a little wonky sometimes. Guys are in and out and fall out of favor randomly, it seems. His in-game management has been an issue at times. So at this point, like, what is a fair assessment of, of J.B. Bickerstaff at this point in the season in terms of his future? I think it puts him, unfortunately, in a position where he can be the fall guy. I um, I empathize with him yeah, because this isn't like anything he could control. The injuries 
whatever just feels off with this team this year. Some of that, like, certainly there's culpability for him, right? Like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that's not the case because he's the coach. And ultimately, like, the buck stops him. He would tell you the same thing. He understands this business. But I think it's a really tricky position when you're him and you're this team and you're navigating what's going on here and you're navigating everything happening and like the coach the coach being the one that you might want to get rid of like I get it I think this could have had he I know there's a lot of money there that's part of it still but this is someone who like if, if anyone's going to open me the fall guy in the in the shortest amount of time like unfortunately is it not him like that and that's not fair to him but he absolutely could just be the fall guy in a way that that someone just has yeah. to be the fall guy so do you think it ultimately does cost him his job, and when do you think that would come about? Would that be like a mid-season thing, or do you think they would actually wait till the end of the season? I think I could see the end of the season just because I don't. Like, tell me who, tell me what the right upgrade is right now. That That's part of this to me, yeah. Spencer, because you could look at... There's no Ty Lue waiting this time around, you know? Right, like they, they, and, and I mean, or in his case, he was the John Bayline in waiting, John, John, the, the the James Blair Bickerstaff in waiting to John Bayline. Like, let us not forget that yeah. part of it, right? That he was the 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 head coach in waiting in there as well. So like, it, it's not an easy spot um, for him. It's not a fair spot for him in in any way. Um, you know, I tend to think that you could get to the summer and just do it then and it's cleaner and you have the right because I just I don't think Luke Walton or Greg Buckner or any of the names you could sell me on based on who's available are really exactly what I'm looking for if I'm the Cavs right now. I, I'd want something different. I'd want something someone who's not been in the system. That that is where my mind goes and I, I think that's how you should do it. Uh, I don't think changing for the sake of change right now is really the greatest idea. At CWM writes on Twitter, Chris Manning joining us on the hotline. He's one half of the Locked On Cast podcast. Cleveland Magazine, SB Nation covers the Cavaliers. Um, uh, the other part I think that's uh, an important thing to ask in terms of, the, of, of just the future of this franchise and the direction they'll go is just in relation to Donovan Mitchell specifically. You, you mentioned Mobley's injury in particular likely won't be coming back until after that trade deadline on February 8th. Does do these injuries change anything in terms of the way this, the way that the franchise will view Donovan Mitchell? You think, in maybe considering trading him because you built this thing for him and around him, and now that it's kind of derailed the season and you don't know if you're going to get a commitment from him to return beyond next year, what's the math look like on that? You think? I think it could. I'm not saying I 100% am sure that it will or that I know that. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and. and tell you that what I do think is that it's not impossible that this changes it that it's not impossible that this changes what is going on in the mind of the franchise right now I mean how could it not if this team loses and you lose this runway to explain what is going on with the team to Mitchell and sell him on what you're doing like there's some cost loss to that right like there just unfortunately is um I don't know, like, the, the, the mechanics of in-season trades are a little tricky. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they're, like, the easiest thing to figure out. What I do think is you, you owe it to yourself, too, if he's going to 
look at leaving and signals this to you. Like maybe you have to look at him. I also, Spencer, just don't think he's a blameless in some of the things that have not gone wrong right for this team this year. I, I'm of the mind with him that I think there's a good amount of, there's a good amount of stuff that is on him to some degree. And, and some of his worst characteristics haven't always helped the team progress in the way you might like that. That's my opinion. But I, I think Mitchell deserves some fault in what hasn't worked this year. What are some of those things that you think he uh, has maybe hurt the Cavs in terms of his game or just stylistically what, what, what the problems maybe be, might be with him? I think him and the lack of a – he's not a good creator for others. He's a great player. Yeah, He's a fantastic player. You can't take that away from him. But this isn't someone who you look at and say, oh, this is one of the best creators for others we have in the NBA. This is someone who – is going to make empower everyone in a significant way around him. That's not how he plays. He can be a little hero ball. He can be a little one note. He doesn't have the playmaking skill of like a Devin Booker at his position. Um, that that has that can be limiting at times. There's just no way around the fact that it 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 isn't. That to me is a, is a problem. Um, I think you look at sometimes defensively. He's really lacking. He's not the biggest guy, obviously, and that has some limitations as well. And when it's him and Garland in that context together, that's tricky. I think there's just a lot with him, as good as he is, where like you just want a little bit more to figure some of this out. That That is my opinion. And he, he is the best player on the team as of right now, but I still think there is something limiting with him at times that leaves me wanting a little bit more from him. A few more minutes with Chris Manning. He joins us on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Just a couple of maybe minute details here just about the rotations. But why why isn't Craig Porter Jr. getting more minutes after he had that solid month of November, had a nice stretch there, and it seems like now he's just completely out of the rotation for JB? Well, for one, he's on a two-way, so there are a limited number of days they could use him. Sure. That, I think, has to have some kind of impact. Secondly, I would say you're in a situation with him where the scouting report, I think for him got read pretty quickly. I do think that's, that's absolutely true. That teams realize that they, he, they could dare him to shoot and that clogs some things up for them. But I think particularly with Garland out and Ricky Rubio's not around, they don't have another like point guard on this team. Wouldn't shock me Spencer. If in the coming days he is perhaps turning to a regular contract, put on the team full-time and, and is getting real minutes, if, if not starting. It would, that, that wouldn't shock me. I don't really know what other options you totally have um, unless you go that route. I also want to ask about Dean Wade. Um, I don't know. It just feels like the Dean Wade experience has kind of run its course. I think they were hoping almost like a Kevin Love 2.0 type thing, which is part of the reason why they moved on from Kevin Love last year in favor of Dean Wade in the rotation, just thinking, yeah, he'll be this three-point shooter, can play inside a little bit, do some different things, but I, I just, I'm just not seeing it. Has, has that experience run its course? You think? I, I think it's possible that he, he just is what he is, and I think if that means he's fodder in a trade, then I get that. If he's someone that maybe you'd want to use in a bigger trade and, and include salary, and if you're doing something at the deadline, doing something to Mitchell down the line, like I think he's someone that you shouldn't be tied to keeping. I don't know how many guys in the roster totally you are, just like locked in. 100% on like who they'd want to keep and who they wouldn't. But I look at, I look at him specifically and think, okay, he's not rebounding well enough. He's really hesitant to shoot at times. You want, there's just clear you need and want more from him. And that in itself is, I think, a big frustration. I think you're dead on and wondering that, like, okay, is he just, is this just what he is? 
is he just never going to be that kind of couple of what you wanted? It just hasn't worked. Um, and I, and I think that's a, that's absolutely a red mark. I think that's a good read on him and that like, I, he's going to start right now and that's fine. He's going to do okay. But I don't know if it's quite good enough. He's Chris Manning. You can follow him on Twitter at CWM, or I guess it's X now, but whatever, at CWM writes. Again, one half of the Locked On Cast podcast, also Cleveland Magazine and SB Nation. He does a tremendous job. Always appreciated his time. Chris, I, I hate it. I hate having you on in these circumstances with just the, the unfortunate news of today, but I think you gave some really good insight into just how this organization is going to sort of move forward given what we learned about the injuries today. Um, even if it's not what people want to hear, I think it was some good stuff. So I appreciate you, my man. Thank you. Hey, I appreciate you having me on, and I'm going to need you to text me off the air once you've had time to think about it and tell me what Cavs jersey you'd buy if you're buying a Joe Flacco jersey. Now, now, I'm, now I'm a little curious. <laughs> All right, well, we'll, uh, well, I'll let you know. I'll, I'll think about it and figure out which uh, which jersey I'm pairing with my Flacco jersey. I got you. appreciate you, my man. Um, appreciate you, buddy. <laughs> See you, Chris. Great stuff. Chris Manning. Uh, yeah, listen, that was one of the more somber interviews I've done with Chris Manning, but... He gave some real, real deep stuff in terms of just the 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 way this this friend the, the way this the, the direction this franchise goes from here and pivots from here, given all the the injury news that got dumped on him today. We'll reflect on it here coming up. We got Hot Take Friday at nine forty. We obviously will get to more Cavs later and more Browns later, but we reflect on the interview. We got Hot Take Friday after that. Get your hot takes ready. It's Spencer German in for JP. German filling in for Jonathan tonight. That was some interview with uh, Chris Manning. Shortly here, as James gets working on it, you'll be able to find that up at 92tothefan.com and in the Odyssey app. I mean, that was some... uh, I thought there was some real thoughtful stuff there from him. Very reflective, sort of somber Chris Manning, which isn't normally the case. We like to have fun with those interviews. We did have some fun at the beginning with the Joe Flacco thing, but I mean... Man, he was dropping some uh, some 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 bombs in terms of just what this could mean for the organization moving forward. Stuff that you don't necessarily want to hear. JB Bickerstaff. Well, some people do want to hear JB Bickerstaff could be on the way out, but his his comments about how JB could end up being the fall guy, Donovan Mitchell's future, uh, specific to Donovan Mitchell. We will come back to that a little bit later because we're not going to have as much time in this segment to flush it all out before Hot Take Friday. By the way, coming up at nine forty. But in in regards to the JB thing, I think Chris is absolutely right. I mean, in sports in general, coaches are always going to end up being the fall guy. But especially when things just don't go your way uh, in a year where there was high expectations, like Stefanski, would it would have been the same thing with Stefanski if things fell apart for the Browns this year because of injuries. Luckily, he's kept him afloat. That's why he's more in a, a... coach of the year conversation, then they should he be on the hot seat conversation at this point. But it would have gone the exact opposite if uh, things played out like the way they are for the Cavs. Like, Bickerstaff, and the problem, too, is like Bickerstaff had flaws before this. 
now that it's not going to work out, most likely, he's going to end up being the thing that you change to interject some sort of just energy into the team down the stretch of the season or potentially or next year when you know it's it's put up or shut up time, your last chance to win something with Donovan Mitchell. I am fascinated to see how it all plays out. But, yeah, the I mean, these injuries change the course of the season. They change the course of whatever was going to be left of J.B. Bickerstaff's future here. Uh, they changed the course potentially of Donovan Mitchell's future here. It was a very ominous day surrounding the Cleveland Cavaliers. I, and, and I think that's the thing with JB2 is, like, I tried to say the other night, did you really bring back JB Bickerstaff just to fire him after just when he's only had 11 games with his full starting lineup of a team that you completely revamped this offseason in terms of getting filling in the cracks? But at the same time, this is a cruel, it's a cruel, cruel world in sports. Like, fairly or unfairly, sometimes you just end up getting fired prematurely or unfairly or whatever. It's a, it, it, my, my biggest thing is, like, if you were going to do this this short of a period of time in or this was always a possibility, why wouldn't you have just done it last offseason when you had all these guys available? Nick Nurse, Mike Budenholzer. I mean, there was a, a laundry list of coaches that Monty Williams, like there was a bunch of dudes who I would have loved to see here in Cleveland if they moved on from J.B. Bickerstaff back then. Now, and, and, and to Chris's point, that's maybe why you don't move on from him during the season. But when have we ever seen, as we all know, it's it's been said numerous times and it's true, like Dan Gilbert's been more involved in things lately. He's been back around this team again. And if that's the case, like you, you never know where his head's at. He could wake up tomorrow and decide that's it. Time to move on from JB Bickerstaff. So there's no guarantee he's got the rest of the season. But I definitely think this almost this, the one thing I think this does for sure, basically put the nail in the coffin on is JB Bickerstaff at some point, whether it's during the season or at the end of the season, is probably on the outs here in Cleveland. Let's go to BP and Pepper Pike. What's going on, BP? Hey Spencer, how you doing today? Pretty good, other than the uh, the Cavs news that we're talking about here. No, no, it's a very uh, for Cavs fans. It's a tough day because I mean, you know, we all had high hopes for the season, and I, you know, I saw they were off to a bad start or an average start, but I still think you know we haven't seen the whole team assembled, you know, for more than ten games, like you said. So, you know, but I thought the Cavs could have survived, you know, a month without Garland, but Mobley, that that's almost unsurmountable because he's just you know, like you know, the glue on the team, the defense, and, you know, he's the guy like last night or the last two nights. They could have possibly beaten the Celtics if they had Evan Mobley out there, possibly, you know, to get in the way of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Porzingis. But without Evan Mobley, like, this team just does not have enough depth. I, I, I had a problem with the team, you know, going into the season. I felt, you know, they addressed the shooting part, but they didn't bring on enough, you know, like two-way players. And But you know, I, you I don't be- even know that they addressed the shooting part, BP. Like, Struess has been, uh, and this is all due respect to Struess because he is as steady as they come. He is, he's kind of, he's a glue guy, right? Like he brings us energy that they needed. He, uh, he, he certainly has brought a mentality that this franchise needed, but he's streaky as it gets. Like, like he, he has some nights where he's lights out. He has some nights where he's bad. 
The only shooting wise, the only, the one thing you know you'll get from him consistently though is that you're never going to not get his effort, and that's why I think he has been valuable to the team. But like in terms of shooting, like I don't know that they're they're better than last year, but it's not like they addressed the the, the situation where now you feel really good about them as a three point shooting team. No, you're right. And like last year, the Cavs had one of the best defense of the NBA, but they had a pretty good offense, and their differential was like plus point, like plus five or six every game. Now their differential is even. They're barely, yeah. you know, giving up the same amount as they're scoring. So their offense is down this year, and their defense is down. So it's it's kind of a bad, and that's with a full deck. Now they're losing 40% of their starting lineup. I, I'm concerned. My only thought is, you know, maybe they could tread water. I would immediately, if I were the Cavs, try to promote Imani Bates to the main team. Mm. See see what they got with Imani Bates. You know, I would even start him at small forward. You know, see what they because really this is probably going to be a lost season. I hate to say it, but yeah, I would, see what I they mean, with, yeah, I would play Imani Bates a lot on a regular basis in the rotation. Also, Craig Porter Jr. should get yeah, regular minutes yeah. in the rotation. Agreed. That's what that's what BP. I got to let you go because we got to get to some other calls. But I appreciate yours as always. And yeah, that was something that Chris mentioned. Craig Porter Jr. probably gets promoted to be. Probably the starting point guard in a lot of in a lot of situations as well. But I don't hate the Imani Bates idea. I know it, it's sort of silly to hold out hope for Imani Bates and just be like, oh, this guy. But I do think you got to give him a look, especially if this does become a lost season. Like, why not give him the reps and see what he can do? I I, I think it's fair to subscribe to that philosophy. Let's go to Jeff in Cleveland. Jeff, what's up, man? Hey, Spencer. How you doing? Good. How are you? Yeah, I, I don't see. First, first, I want to say if. The Cavs decide to separate from JB. They're still going to have the same problem. They're going to wake up the next day with the same problem. And that problem is all the teams in the NBA are good teams. Even the losing teams can be any team on any day. The league is so full of parity or equalism that there's no team that actually stands out. So the thing is, keep JB. You know, they have to keep JB. They got to give this guy every moment. He's got to get a signature shot. He just can't just throw up anything at seven foot tall. Okay? So that's one problem. He doesn't have a signature shot. They need to get somebody to groom him. Bring Elijah on. But, Jeff, I don't think that's happening this year now. Like, how is he going to get groomed when he's out eight weeks and then he comes back and it's like mad dash to the, to the end of the season? Like, I, I think this season's almost. A wash yeah, in terms of uh, in terms of Evan Mobley yeah. development. So then, so then what? We're sitting there in the summer having the same conversations about JB we had last summer and that we're having right now. Like, is he the guy? Is he yeah, not we the had guy? The same conversation last summer. That's right. And it's the, the same thing is still happening today. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. I think I, I honestly like to Chris's point. It's probably not fair fully on JB, and I do appreciate the call. But if, if this ends as like a d- disaster season. He becomes the fall guy. You move on. I think you just gotta kind of roll with that. Like I don't, I don't know because you're gonna have to change something. And I, like I don't know that JB gets more time after all this, even if that's maybe not fair to him. It's unfortunate, maybe, and it is what it is. But you're uh, you're up against the clock now. Like you're trying to convince Donovan Mitchell to stay. I don't know if uh, I don't know if that's gonna be the case. He, like he, he, I don't know that he's just going to give you the benefit of the doubt because there's a bunch of injuries. We'll see, but I don't know if that's going to be the case. 216-474-2192. We got Hot Take Friday coming up next, um, but I do want to get to some. I'll start the segment. I'll try to get to a couple of your other calls on J.B. Bickerstaff before we roll right in to Hot Take Friday. Keep it locked. It's Spencer German with you. In for J.P. tonight, 92 to the 
Like Joe, like Joe Flacco pre-snap, I am calling an audible here. Hot Take Friday is moving to 10. Got a lot of people who want to get in on the Cleveland Cavaliers. I want to give an opportunity to chime in on some things because it was a, a, a disappointing day on the injury front for, for, for the wine and gold. So we're going to get to your calls. We'll push Hot Take Friday to 10 o'clock. We're still doing it. It's 20 minutes from now. I will reveal to you in 20 minutes my very controversial Christmas take. You're not going to want to miss it. I've been sitting on this thing for a year. I've been promoting it for three straight weeks while I've been filling in at certain points on, on, the, on the station. I, I'm ready to go. 10 o'clock, it's going to happen, all right? But I want to get to your calls here because this is an important topic. Chris Manning really opened up a can of worms here during our interview as we sort of talked about J.B. Bickerstaff's future and what these injuries mean and Donovan Mitchell's future and what these injuries mean. I do think he was right that J.B. Bickerstaff probably becomes the fall guy here at some point for this team. And it's it's unfortunate because he probably hasn't, this year with the roster he has, gotten a fair shake at showing what he can do with it because he's only had his starters together for 11 games. But at the same time, like, this is this is the world we live in with, with basketball and with sports. Like, you don't always, you get let go sometimes fairly or unfairly. Just based off of what your team's doing, and and this is these injuries, man, are really going to throw a wrench into what this team was hoping to accomplish this season. Let's uh, go to the phones. We got Jim in Strongsville up first here this segment. What's going on, Jim? Hey, Spencer, how you doing, buddy? Good, man. Good. What's up? Listen, here's the thing. Like, I don't know if JB's a good coach or he's bad. In the NBA, it's so hard to tell until a guy actually wins something, whether or not he's good or bad, because. At the end of the day, most of it comes down to managing the personalities. But what I will say is, like, listen, the Cavaliers made they made this trade, and you know what? You can't fault them for making the trade for Donner. No, so they, it was a trade you had to make, right? You had to make that trade. Problem is, is you made that trade, and it it made your roster flawed. Two do, two small ball dominant guards. It just it it made your roster flawed to the point where like it was always going to be hard to get over it. And I'm going to make kind of a I don't know if this is out there. Claim, but what I will say is, I don't know that you're going to win a, win a championship with Donovan Mitchell as your mm. number one option, your number one star. I just, I just, he's, he, I love him, but I'm just saying that I don't think that, that that's in the cards. So here's what I would actually propose, and I just actually kind of thought of this while I was on hold. I'll tell you right now, because it might be, it might be a good deal and it might work for both teams. This might, I would try to take Donovan Mitchell and I would try to, I would try to get Jalen Brown out of Boston for Donovan Mitchell because I think that trade actually makes a little bit of sense for both teams. Yeah. And I think, like, a Jalen Brown paired up with a Darius Garland works better than a Donovan Mitchell paired up with a Darius Garland. I just think, like, look, I, J.D., was, he was done before he started. He didn't – this roster was never going to be able to get over the hump. They just weren't. Like, they just – they're a good team. They're a lovable team. I love everything about them. But you just the parts weren't yeah. there to be successful. Yeah, there's definitely some concerns with the team, Jim. I appreciate the call. Uh, just in terms of the, the the mindset, the mentality, it seems like they really follow in the in the ilk of their head coach and Jamie Bickerstaff with the excuse making, which we talked about earlier this week. Um, I don't like. I can't sit here and say you'll never be able to win a championship with Donovan Mitchell. I, I he he is a hell of a player. 
Like, I would like to think that that guy can help you win a championship with the right formula of players around him. Now, what I'm not going to fight you on is I do think that in some ways the trade, while you can't fault him for it, and I never will. I mean, this is Cleveland, guys. Like, the LeBron thing was a one-in-a-billion cosmic fluke. Like, it's rare that we get a guy who's from here who wants to come play here and stay here for as long as he did and go win a championship, and that's his goal. Nobody wants We know. Like, free agency, most of these guys don't want to come to the city. So to have Donovan Mitchell out there in the market and say, we want to go make a splash and get a, a star player, I can't blame the Cavs for that. How could I possibly ever blame the Cavs for, for trying to go do something and try something? But I do think on some level, to Jim's point, it did deplete a lot of the depth that you had on this team. It did deplete a lot of sort of the, the players, the role players that you did have. Lowry Markinen, who's been good um, in his role with, with the Jazz. I'm not saying you put up the same numbers here. Of course not. But he had a nice role that they were sort of trying to do there. They were doing something different at the time with the sort of the three bigs. As far as the Jalen Brown thing goes, I was kind of banging that drum late last year. Like, would you do this? Jalen Brown has his flaws as well, I guess is what I'll, what I'll say. He can't dribble to his left um, or with his left hand. He... Yeah, he, he's kind of that 3 and D guy that you're looking for in that three spot that they addressed with Max Strews. So I do think on some level he'd fit a he'd fit a role for you. But you're asking the question, can you win a championship with Donovan Mitchell? I'm asking the same question with, with Jalen Brown. I know he's getting paid astronomically, but I think that's more so the market than anything. Uh, Ron and Lakewood, you're up next in the fan. What's up, Ron? Hey, how you doing, Spencer? Good, man. What's up? Okay, um, first of all, regarding... Uh, Perkins staff, whether the Cavs should keep him or not. Um, I think it's kind of true to say, but I just didn't like what happened last year, how we didn't make the playoffs. That's something that's still sticking in my mind. Well they, they, not- well, they did make the playoffs, but you mean how they got bounced in the first right, round. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, right, okay. that's what I meant. Okay, I'm mixed up. But more importantly, I did notice something with the Cavs. When we had our, when we played our starting five, they seemed like they passed the ball around more. Cause last year it seemed like Garland scored 40, the Cavs won, or Mitchell scored 45. It seems like they're getting involved with, with, with Strews, but as far as Brinkin staff goes, um, uh, it wouldn't bother me if they let him go. Because like you said, maybe it's time for a change anyway, but we have to see where it goes. But yeah, I'd like to be optimistic and say, well, maybe yeah. they could all be healthy and we can make a run, but the season probably is over. With that, I'm out. Thanks, Spencer. Right. Yeah, thanks for the call, Ron. I, I think the hardest, the hardest thing that's, that, that I, assuming Bakerstaff ends up at some point becoming the, the fall guy for all this or whatever, whether it's in season or not, like, what was it? And I understand you can't see the future. You didn't know these injuries were going to happen. But what was the point of bringing him back if, if in the end he gets fired and he only got 11 games with the starters this year? Like his full starting lineup of, of, of his starting five. And again, I know you can't predict it. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that he should stay because of that necessarily. I'm just saying. It, it's it's wild that he'll only probably, depending on how these injuries go, maybe they'll all be back together at the end of the season. But you built this team, you ran it back with JB in, in the hope that, like, okay, we'll take those next steps, we'll figure it out. And if he only gets, like, 11 or or slightly more than that games, with like, less than half the season with a starting five, what was even the point of bringing him back if he was just going to get fired with, with that 
notion. Like you had guys out there that you could have brought in that maybe you felt better about or would have maybe taken the direction of this team to where you actually wanted to go. Like I, I that's going to be a hard thing to, to sort of swallow if if that happens if that happens to Bickerstaff here in the coming months. Uh, Bill in Independence, what's up, Bill? I get my, my uh, uh, I'm a season ticket holder, so I've been all the games and have a different view. I'm less hung up on whether they're winning or losing right now. But I've been watching this team, and the body language for weeks, for weeks, has been very bad. How many times has Brad Dordery, um, Austin Carr, Stan TV, they need to talk to each other. They need to cover for each other. they got to talk. They got, that's the coach's responsibility. And, you know, I'm going to have you step back for a moment. You can see, you can find this all on YouTube. Here's why. He's a professional assistant coach. I, I, I fell, you know, out with him uh, a year or two years ago in that playing tournament with two years ago. He said after those, uh, those games that we lost, we have to lose before we can win because we're a young team. Okay. Buy it. New York game one, we lose. You go to our YouTube and do the post game. You'll see it. We have to lose before we can win. And you know what happened in the next, next week uh, game or the games we lost? Each game, Moby got up and said the same thing after one game. Um, Garland said it, and Allen said it. Yeah. So he was coaching. He he was he was coaching as an assistant coach. I'm going to give you another example here. Three weeks or four weeks ago, we lost to Sac- um, uh, Sacramento bad. Yeah. He said in his post game, he said this. He said, "We have to decide what we're going to be." And I'm going to go back and talk to the team. What? You're the coach. Yeah, yeah. What did he say after we lost the Portland game? We just have to decide what we're going to be. And you know what happened? If you think about the last three or four games, that team did not smile. They didn't talk to one another. And I think he lost the team, and the players know it. I don't think he can make a change now. Mm. We, we have what we have. But there is a much bigger issue here, and that is how to be a head coach and he has not demonstrated it. He's not developed any of the players. Mobley and Allen came back. They were supposed to come back stronger. I don't see it. Mobley was going to be a better shooter. I don't see it. So forget all the wins, the losses. Yeah. There's bigger, bigger things okay. that are wrong with J.B. Yeah. Okay? I got you, Bill. Yeah. Appreciate the call. And listen, I, I, I've heard of many of those quotes. I've, I've been in the room for some of them. Like, I understand what you're saying. I think there's probably some truth to that, yes, but I do think on some level, like, yeah, that, that stuff gets old when it's like tr- the, tr- the trickle-down effect of it and the players are saying the same thing and how many times you have to lose before you start winning. Um, I, I get why all that's frustrating, for sure. Um, and, yeah, like you wanted to see them come out better in the Knicks series, and they didn't. Like They got punched in the mouth. And I, That's the other thing. He brings up like every step of the way. It's like we need to decide who we're going to be. There's been a couple moments now where like Donovan Mitchell or one of these players has come out and been like, "Yeah, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta respond off of this." Or like, "This is gonna be the turning point of the season." How many turning points of the season do you need? At some point, you actually have to turn. It actually has to be a turning point. Like, you actually have to get the results on the other side, and they haven't been getting that. So, like, how many times do you need to be reminded, like, "Hey, step your game up. Let's play better. Let's get it together." Running out, you know, this is when you build good habits. Before you actually start doing it. So that, that's that been frustrating to me this entire season so far. Can I share something with you? He said that Evan Mobley wasn't getting developed, right? Last year on catch and shoot opportunities, right? He shot sub 30%. This season, in the short season so yeah. far, 
He shot 44% on catch I, and shoot. I kind development. of ignored the Evan Mobley point because I, I don't think people understand where Evan Mobley's developing right now. Like, I, I think I've already been on the record saying he doesn't need to be a three point shooter. If he can become Giannis and get a mid range game going, I think he's okay. I can live with that. I don't need him to be a three-point shooter, but people aren't seeing him become a three-point shooter, and they're, like, up in arms and freaking out. It's funny you say that, right? His mid-range is where he shoots the worst, like uh, yeah. three to ten feet. He gets yeah. something like that, he's going to be oh, way even more dangerous. And it sucks that we won't get to see him try to develop it this year. All right, really, really quickly here, Pac-Man, I can squeeze you in on, on JB. Uh, what you got real quick, like 30 seconds. Hey, what's up, Spencer? Um yeah, last year I got excited. I said, you know, this, this team looks good. They play for each other. The defense is there. You know, and defense is a, is a is an effort metric, right? You're playing for each other. You're playing for your coach. They fire you up. I'm not seeing that same passion this year. You know, I'm not seeing the leadership. And I don't know if it's it's JB's issue or is it is it Donovan Mitchell Mitchell because just unlike Utah. He played. He wasn't that galvanizing yeah. player. We yeah. we see what good looks like when we talk about leadership. We had LeBron. We were spoiled for those years, and uh, I'm not saying he needs to be like LeBron, but I'm just not seeing leadership out of JB. Okay. I'm not seeing leadership out of Donovan Mitchell. I say you ship Mitchell. Uh, let's get let's get him out of here. Let's get somebody. Let's rebuild this thing. And if JB can't get this thing turned around, I mean, yeah, Luke Walton yeah. sitting right next to you. Maybe he's a good interim coach. All right, Pac-Man. Good stuff. Getting it in before the buzzer here. We do have to go to break, Jimmy. Aurora, I want you to hold on because you're on my side with this Flacco thing. I want to get to you coming back, and it also is Hot Take Friday. So that guy in Cleveland if you and, and others who want to get in with a hot take, 216-474-0092. On Twitter, at Spence C2 underscore. We're doing Hot Take Friday next. We will come back to the Cavs because we just had a we just had a point made about Donovan Mitchell and whether or not his future's changed now with these injuries. I'm going to circle back to that a little bit later. But right now, we pause to get to Hot Take Friday. Next on the fan.